The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. on this hump day. There you day. go. Wednesday, right back friends. in the groove again. Look at that. Um, a chilly day out there. Hope you're staying warm. We'll keep you updated on the weather forecast. Of course, your traffic throughout the afternoon. A big day on the show today at uh, between 3 and 4 o'clock this afternoon. Another edition of How Does That Make You Feel with Dr. Gans Ferentz. Our most popular guest here on the show monthly. You know, many people would like to see more more of uh, Dr. Gans. And I, I'm, in char- I'm in charge of that. Almost. I'm in uh, favor <laughs> of that. The guy is just so darn soothing. I can't recall from uh, week to week, month to month, what it is we talked about, but I know I feel better about it. You always it. feel better. It's like having, yeah. you know, the, the not, not stretcher, but uh, <laughs> what stretcher. Do you call the doctors. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, uh, the second most favorite, mm-hmm. I think, guest at 630, Chad, because I know he's been in with uh, Ryan Jesperson over the past little while. It's been a long time since we've had uh, Edmonton Fire Chief Ken Block in the studio with us this afternoon. Uh, welcome. It's nice to have you here. Well, welcome, Jaylen and Andrew, and it's it's really nice to be here. We wanted to. the The initial thought of having you in was uh, a story that came out last week about the Canadian Association of Fire Chiefs uh, wanting more homes to have residential spe- uh, speakers, sprinkler <laughs> Resident- systems, residential. Sprinklers. All those speakers are handy as well. That's good. Get out and wants the National Building Code of Canada to reflect that. And I thought we got talking about it. And I said, you know what? I'd really love to have a sprinkler system in my place Mm -hmm. and we wanted to pick your brain about this and um, there was talk about these new breeds of fires that uh, feed off flammable furniture open concept designs Um, and they believe the sprinklers would give folks more time to escape so can you start by telling us about the concern with this new breed of fires and and what's happening and when did you start seeing this absolutely so uh, first of all I I do have the honor and privilege of uh, being the president of the Canadian Association Mm. of Fire Chiefs so this is an issue near and dear to uh, to my heart and and certainly to my predecessor uh, Randy Wolsey uh, so when did we start to see a difference in the type of fires we were going to and the outcomes of those fires uh, I would say in the uh, early 2000s uh, we actually uh, went to uh, a great lengths to try to determine what had changed. Uh, Certainly our uh, training and tactics strategies hadn't changed. Uh, Our equipment was the best we'd ever had. Our staffing levels were good. Our response times were good. Uh, But yet we were experiencing loss of residential houses uh, two, three, four at a time, Mm -hmm. which was really different. Something something was different. Well, the something turned out to be, after a, a vast amount of due diligence, construction materials. And ergo, uh, the answer to your question. So really what's changed over the last 15 to 18 years is the... Uh 
materials uh, that are used to construct a home and the materials that uh, you know are, are used to make our, our furniture coverings our floor coverings uh, just everything we put in those homes uh, you know back in the uh, 60s when the building codes were, were really first developed they were based on testing that was done uh, through a project called the St. Lawrence Burns and so this was in the 60s when homes were quite small and they were built of solid lumber and, mm-hmm. and natural materials and so the most of the codes that we see today were put in place addressing uh, the type of risk from natural wood small thousand square foot homes uh, you know with with uh, contents that were made out of natural materials fast track to today we've got uh, basically glue lamb construction um, you know you've got synthetics all over the place oil-based uh, you know products of convenience I guess and uh, you know our, our homes are, are roughly twice as big mm-hmm. probably an average of 2,000 square feet now uh, open concept is really popular and so uh, fire spread is uh, uh, I guess quite quick quite uh, uh, you know fire spreads quite quickly now in these open concept homes and we've got uh, materials in your house and your house is is built of that actually contain uh, more uh, BTUs more energy if, if I could put it that way and they're burning at a faster rate mm-hmm. so the release of that energy is happening uh, quicker so chief burns faster so less time for folks to get out but does it make it even more dangerous for the firefighters to fight those fires? It absolutely does. So, uh, great question. <clears throat> so, there's been some uh, really significant testing in recent years, and uh, unprotected floor systems uh, with a fire in the basement, as an example, uh, those floors will fail in less than five minutes. Wow. You know, that's best case scenario. Our crews are just arriving on scene, so it, it's a very different environment, a much more dangerous environment. Um, the smoke and the off-gassing from these fires are, are very toxic. Again, something new and different. And, uh, you know, the, the safety and well-being of, of our, our responding fire crews are, are very much uh, put at risk. And uh, that's a real concern. Hmm. Well, you've identified uh, the cause and you've uh, talked about the ramifications. So what's the cure then? We started this conversation with sprinkler systems, but given how fast you're saying these units could go up, will a sprinkler system solve that or is it changing the code? So it, it's it's all of the above. It's changing the code, and, and from a Canadian Association of Fire Chiefs perspective, one of the most effective changes we could make is uh, making uh, sprinklers mandatory in all new residential construction. Uh, really what that does, Andrew, is, is buy our fire service time, and so uh, sprinklers aren't the perfect solution, but what they will do is, is hold a fire, uh, you know, check it, uh, and not allow it to advance as quickly and give our folks uh, the time to get there and, and effectively and uh, more safely uh, put it out and certainly gives them also more time to uh, affect a, you know, a, a rescue uh, should that be required. I suspect some of the home builders out there are saying though the cost of the sprinkler system would be off-putting to new home buyers. Do you, do you have any figures, any ideas on, on what it would cost to, to put a sprinkler system in and, and are you getting pushback from uh, the builders associations on this. Yeah, so tremendous pushback from the home builders and the Wood Council uh, of Canada. And it's really unfortunate. I I think uh, there's some tunnel vision here. I I 
you know, I would like to think that we could sit down and, and kind of have a, a fulsome discussion. Uh, the costs, as, as the National Fire Protection Association uh, measures it, uh, are about a dollar thirty-five a square foot. Mm. So when you think of uh, building a new home, purchasing a new home, upgrading your countertops, upgrading uh, your faucets, for yeah. heaven's sakes, uh, you know, you're going to spend more than what it, it would cost uh, to make your home much more safe. Uh, for for your loved ones and also for your neighbors. And so where uh, we're going with this is we truly believe that if the home builders would uh, give this a chance, uh, the public, number one, uh, would uh, there would be a, an awareness created of, of this option of residential sprinklers, and I think it would be embraced. Uh, the next part of that is, uh, you know, the fire losses are, are have gone up uh, uh, exponentially over the last 10 or 15 years. That's not by accident. Uh, we used to have a house fire and contain it, you know, usually to the room of origin, mm-hmm. but certainly to the one house. And now, as, as we're discussing, this can spread to multiple homes. And the fire loss uh, figures are astronomical. And so insurance companies, there would be an insurance yeah. break. Um, if sprinklers ever did become commonplace and, and mandatory as we would like to see it, the free market would uh, actually uh, create competition and the price would come down. Can right. you imagine what difference it would have been made in, with the McEwen fire? If there were sprinklers, and how many houses did we lose there? It was catastrophic. It was catastrophic. That, uh, yeah. Well, what about proximity of homes? You mentioned, because, and I have to mention as well, although I'm in total favor of what you say, Chief, uh, there is the cost of the sprinkler system. There would also be the cost of building materials to meet a higher standard than they do now. So I'm sure the homeowner or home builders are not all that happy about that. They also want to put as many homes in a in a plot of land as they can. Um, that's an issue, as you yeah. just mentioned, Jalen. I do you think homes are still being built too close to each other? You know, the way we're building them, yes, I do. There, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind about that. You know, it's interesting when we look at, at new developments, and and certainly, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I want our businesses in Edmonton to uh, have a good, healthy profit. It, it's just good for everyone, right? Um, with sprinklers, new developments could actually uh, intensify the density. Right, so you could actually likely get a, an additional one or two lots uh, on a block. So you're saying they're too close now, given that they don't have a sprinkler system. Correct. Ah, okay. Correct. Right. So the the solution here actually would assist, uh, I believe, the home builder industry uh, to you know probably increase their bottom line if they took a hard look at it mm-hmm. in the big picture going forward. So this push uh, from the association, where does it stand, and what happens next with it? Well, it's purely political, yeah. and so, you know, the code system is, is a complex system. Um, you know, so we are advocating with the ministers uh, responsible, uh, certainly with the Canadian uh, uh, Codes Commission, the NRC, uh, you know, to uh, push our our, uh, our agenda forward, if you will. And really, it's an agenda of public safety and, and life safety from a fire risk perspective. Uh, you know, the, the challenge that we have is uh, NRC have, have vastly changed their uh, business model. And so if there are any projects or testing that are being done, you have to come to the plate with uh, money. Uh-huh. So it costs, it would cost the city of Edmonton fifty dollars to $100,000 to actually participate in a study. Well, mm. we're not funded that yeah. way. Industry is. And so 
you know, uh, to have this make some sense, most new testing that's going forward is sponsored by industry. And so it's, I think you know where I'm going with this. Most working groups that are, are set up to review uh, code change uh, amendments, proposed amendments, are evaluated by industry experts. Uh, you know, the, the public fire service really doesn't have a lot of skin in the game at those tables. NRC needs to change that. The the, the Canadian Codes uh, system needs mm-hmm. to change that. There's a tremendous amount of, of talent and anecdotal experience and science, quite frankly, that, that backs up the fire service concerns. Uh, but we're not able to... Uh, you know, to, to get it at the right table. It's an interesting conversation because, you know, we're talking about, well, when you talk about fire, first responders in general, you talk about response time. But if you can slow a fire down through some of these measures that you're talking about, unless the fire is in the basement of the fire hall, there's always going to be a response time, right? So the longer we can delay that, um, the more time we give your uh, men and women to get to the house, the better off we're going to be. Absolutely. And the safer the environment's going to be that they arrive to. Excellent. We should take a break right now. When we come back, lots of other things we want to talk to the chief about, and not the least of which is uh, LRT construction. Fire Chief Ken Block joining us in studio starts his 10th year as Fire Chief in the city of Edmonton tomorrow. Yeah, congratulations yeah. on that. And still enjoying it. You know, it's uh, it's a privilege and an honour and uh, I love coming to work every morning. Uh, I truly enjoy it. I mentioned before the break uh, LRT and I just wondered with all that we've heard about LRT construction affecting traffic flow, and I know a number of our listeners are quite upset <laughs> at, at uh, how the LRT's gone and how the train at 75th, uh, you know, blocks that intersection from time to time. I want to know from you, Chief, if that is the same impact you feel as a first responder, but also if the city uh, management consults with your department to determine the best way or to at least get your input on LRT. Certainly. Well, first, let me say that, uh, you know, our mission is is to protect the life, property and environment of the citizens of Edmonton. And response times uh, really impact our ability to do that. So, uh, you know, having the proper emergency access, uh, you know, ensuring that our our response times are as efficient as we can possibly make them are are certainly uh, priorities of mine. Uh, Having said that, uh, certainly the City of Edmonton is a team and Fire Rescue Services has been uh, at the table with the uh, LRT delivery project team. Uh, We have made our uh, concerns of emergency access and the priority and importance that we place on that. Uh, We've made them aware of that. Um, You know, it's a work in progress, so it it will be interesting to see how the design ends up and, uh, you know, uh, whether there's any negative impact or or not. Uh, Hmm. I, I, you know, am an optimist by nature, and and I believe that our concerns won't go, uh, you know, unnoticed and and that, uh, you know, there will be some uh, uh, steps built into the plan that will (laughs) assist us. 
I, I can't imagine being a firefighter on a way to a call and and knowing that there's an emergency on the other side of a stop sign or a stoplight or a rail crossing that you can't get to. What happens in those situations? Well, it is a terrible feeling, and I spent 27 years on the trucks, so I can speak from experience. It's not a it's not a good situation. Uh, having said that, fire rescue service in Edmonton is deployed on you know on a station based model. So our, our deployment model is station-based. What that means really is that if if you are interrupted, uh, the next closest station, uh, you know, on the other side of the train or whatever could be activated. So that's the good news is that, you know, in a a medical event, uh, we could send a secondary unit. Uh, However, time is precious. And, you know, whether it's a medical event or a fire event, you don't want any unnecessary delays. And so it's a valid, uh, it's a valid concern. You, you mentioned medical events. What percentage of your calls are medical events? Great question, Andrew, and this will surprise a lot of people. 67% wow. of uh, you know the, the over 50,000 events that we respond to are actually to life-threatening medical situations. Those are accidents or those are drug-related or those are all of the above? All of the above. So we work very closely with Alberta Health Services. Uh, Anything that's evaluated as an echo, a delta, and many Charlie calls, uh, you know, result in fire rescue services in Edmonton being activated and because of our our station-based deployment uh, we can be on scene within seven minutes of being notified about 83 percent of the time so our response times are fairly good. How much of an increase have you seen uh, with with, uh, responses to opioid related calls? So Jalen the best way to answer that we were going to those calls anyway Anyway. Uh, however having said that certainly year over year our medical responses are going up and and certainly the opioid situation would be contributing to that increase right we're talking about the expansion uh, of the city and you know with the lrt whatever it is and we know this city just keeps spreading out spreading out spreading out that's got to be huge challenges for the fire department and for that seven-minute response time. Well, it truly is, and it's not only a, a challenge for fire rescue, it, it's a challenge for every city service. Um, yes, <laughs> urban sprawl, uh, you know, folks want to move into the suburbs, it seems, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons, one of which is, is cost, I suppose. Uh, it does put challenge on our service. Uh, you know, there, there's, uh, we spend an awful lot of time with our strategic business planning. We have a station location master plan that, that we've developed and uh, you know we, we place priority on uh, where the next station needs to be planned mm-hmm. and, and uh, designed and, and built and you know I'm uh, also an advocate where I don't like to get ahead of the curve so from my perspective relevancy effectiveness and efficiency is important and so we need to balance those competing interests and uh, I you know uh, I would say that we're likely a station or two behind the optimum uh, spot Uh, however economies uh, you know have peaks and valleys and you never want to be in a situation where you're too far in front and uh, due to economic reasons you end up having to close the station down Mm Uh, that's not a good thing either. How does a fire hall go out of business? That <laughs> doesn't seem right, does it? 
Well, obviously, uh, I have a biased opinion. <laughs> <laughs> As he is. Before we let you go, um, there has been a lot of uh, focus and a lot of attention, especially over the past couple of years with our first responders, first responders, our military people, you name it, when it comes to mental health, yeah. taking care of mental health. Um, I think it's come a long way from the days when you were working the trucks, as you said. Um, are we doing a better job now on what needs what more needs to be done? Oh my gosh, what a great question, Jaylen, and, and thank you for asking it. I'm so proud of how far we've come with fire rescue services and, and with our health and wellness and mental wellness program. Uh, so uh, road to mental readiness training is, is a program that, that the national uh, defense uh, folks developed. Uh, the Canadian uh, uh, Commission of Mental Health has stood behind uh, uh, this program. Uh, we're we are, uh, delivering that program to all of our staff and it's been embraced really really well and the other program that the Canadian Commission of Mental Health uh, is very high on is called mental health first aid it was actually developed in Australia in in the late 90s Uh, all of our staff have received those two programs Uh, we have a health and wellness and a mental uh, wellness coordinator Uh, we've got very uh, resilient programs Uh, there's a multitude of of different options for uh, outreach, if you Mm -hmm. will, if folks are having problems. We've got a peer support team. So these are firefighters that are trained to help firefighters, uh, you know, after a a really difficult event. And I I don't have to tell the two of you, uh, our folks are exposed to to some horrendous situations. Mm -hmm. And uh, I always like to say that the most valuable resource that that we have in Edmonton Fire Rescue are the women and men of Edmonton Fire Mm -hmm. Rescue. And in order for us to serve the public, we've got to look after our folks. And, well uh, said. Yeah, We've been speaking to Chief Ken Block, Edmonton's Fire Chief. Uh, our time is up, uh, Chief. I wish we had another half hour with you, but thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us this afternoon. Much appreciated. Well, it was so nice to join you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.